Welcome to the Iron Society podcast, where we build men of God to become husbands and fathers that change the world. No man should have to struggle through life alone or lacking the tools they need to win and dominate life. Every week, we will bring you an inspiring and actionable conversation that will forge you into the man and leader God has called you to be. Welcome to the Iron Society. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the best podcast in the world. In the world! (laughs) 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 That's great. But seriously, uh, you are listening to the Iron Society podcast, and I'm Cody Chapman along here, as always, with Mr. Nick Milligan. Mick Mick Nilligan. Nick 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 Nilly? No. Mick Nilligan. Mick Milligan? I could we could call you Mick Nilligan, and I guarantee you nobody would notice. Mr. Ever. Mick, Mr. Mick Nilligan, Mr. Mick, just the M M&M and M that way. Yeah, we need my daughter with an M, so we could call her M M&M. and M. That'd be weird, dude. That'd yeah. be weird. I don't want to be Mr. M M&M. and M. Yeah, I can't even say it. You can't. I got issues. There's there. a lot of words you can't say. We really need to get this train on the tracks. We started out goofy, <laughs> and we're just continuing on down that trail. I think. Okay, here's the deal. <clears throat> here's the deal. People need to understand this. This is how like my life is half the time. Oh yeah. It's like just screwing around and then I get serious, you know? I think it's good. I think it's healthy. I mean, man, yeah. it's so much easier to smile. They say it oh. takes less muscles, right? In your face even yes. versus a frown. Yes. It's good for you. It's more difficult to frown. Anyways, today um, we went in, a, in the art society. We just, we gave them super short notice and started asking for questions for a Q and a and there were a few that popped up that we wanted to field because they're really good questions. Um, and these are guys in the iron society. And what I love about this is like, it just shows guys in the iron society are still looking to grow and there's still areas they're growing. Right. And that's the purpose of the iron society is it is the incubator in which we continue to grow and mature and win. Great. Work. It's not a bunch of dudes that have like, Hey, guess what? We're perfect, right? Yeah. Now, there no. are a lot of guys that have figured it out in a lot of different areas. There are some dudes that literally make millions of dollars a year that are in the Iron Society. They have figured out how to make money, right? Sure. There are dudes that are pastors mm-hmm. in the Iron Society. Yep. They, when it comes to spiritual growth and development, they are they're outstanding. Yep. There are other guys in the Iron Society that are starting their own coaching businesses because, gosh dang it, they're really, really smart and good at helping people. Yeah. You know, yep. there's guys in the iron society that are completely jacked and ripped, right? For sure. They've really got the fitness part dialed in. For sure. Um, there's some guys that have outstanding marriages and there's mm-hmm. guys that don't, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. guys that have it, it. We have the whole gamut of dudes, yeah. but the point is that's the beauty of it though. It is the beauty of it because, and, and I think it's a beautiful, this is one of the things I love the most about the iron society. And mm. by the way, this is not a plug for the iron society, but it totally is. Um, when scripture says that we're all a part of the body mm-hmm. and the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Right. right. And all of this and everybody needs each other in a different way. Like I know that in the art society, if I don't know something even for my own life and I need like another bit, bit of wisdom about something, sure. There's dudes in the art society I could go to Yeah, because I don't know everything either. Yeah. Right. Yep. I can go to them and be like, Hey, what about this? 
I, I was just on a call for two hours. Yep. Two hours. Get some specialized advice. W- with one of our Iron Society members who is an accountant. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the nonprofit side of the Iron Society, he literally sat down with me for two hours. We were filling out IRS docs to get everything done because it is his specialty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And I, dude, the stuff he was saying, I'm like, can you please put that in like Cody terms? Because <laughs> I have no idea what Dumb you just asked me. me. He literally is like, let me put this in terms that you could understand. I was like, I way appreciate that, bro. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that's what you have access to in the iron society. It's as a whole, it as a whole, we have it figured out. I sure. will say that as a whole, we have it figured out. And that's why we see guys come in and grow. Um, and it's because we're operating as the body. Yeah. Right. And how many guys go through the life, go to church on Sunday and then try to figure it out and do the lone wolf thing Monday through Saturday. Like, why am I so messed up? It's like, well, dude, come on. You're not, you're not, you're not really attaching yourself to the body and using it to its full capacity. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and that's, that's really what the church in a lot of ways should be. Unfortunately, most people don't treat it that way. They go to church and to go get their thing, go to whatever that is right there to go be a, a taker and yep. then they never actually participate. Yeah. Right. And so they're not engaged and they're not known yep. they, and they don't get to benefit from the entire resources of the body. Yeah. Not just the church and its four walls and a, and a pastor preaching a Sunday uh, sermon, but that people that make it up and all their individual uh, perspectives and experiences yep. that could so enrich their lives. Yeah. Invite someone home. Yeah. Have them for dinner. Right. Ask them some questions. You'll be amazed. Yep. So anyways, there's a a plug, not plug for the Iron Society. A little value added. Yeah. So let's jump into these questions. There are three that we are going to go after. One has to do with being the leader of your home. One has to do with spiritual growth. And the other has to do with burnout, big picture. But in this context, there's a specific context to it. Which one do you want to start with? Oh, I don't know. Whatever you want. We Just take pick that it, first dude. one if you want. The, the, the one on being the leader? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to read the question as it sits. This is always the hard part about Q&As, by the way, hmm. is you have to go off literally just the context of the question and you can't ask follow-up questions to clarify. Sure, sure. So that's always the... Well, we'll take it from the perspective in which we received it. <laughs> exactly. I Everybody is entitled to my opinion. Check. So we'll just read it and go. So here's the first question. I'm the leader of my family, but you can't lead if no one is following. What are three points or things I must be as a leader, husband, father, to be the man that my that your wife slash family can't help but follow because the other option would just be foolish? How do you get there if you've done the opposite for so long? So big picture, this question is saying, hey, I know I'm the leader of my family. What are three things I can do as a leader, husband, father? to be the man that my family really wants to follow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but how do I do that when I haven't done that for so long? Right. Yeah. I think the first thing that springs to my mind is to model repentance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I think that addre- kind of addresses both things there. You know, how do you get there if you haven't done it? Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you've done the opposite for so long, Yep. it's modeling repentance. It's owning taking responsibility for your shortcomings yep. where you haven't led well and then actually show them what it should look like. Yeah. Right. So, so own it, name it, right. And repent for it, yep. ask for forgiveness, ask for grace, and then begin to show them what the proper actions, response, 
steps should be in yep. that, in light of that. And ultimately in light of a biblical worldview, right? Yep. Not, not one from the world that, you know, we're not called to, to be a, you know, excuse me, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Right. Yep. So at the end of the day, we've got to figure out, you know, through our own study, through insight and gaining wisdom and knowledge to be able to make decisions from a biblical world lens instead of a, a worldly one and then lead out of that info. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and that was the first thing that popped in my head when this question came up is first and foremost, so glad I went first then the way, yeah, the <laughs> way that you, the way that you, the way that you have to lead from this point is yes. the first thing you do is repent. You have to, yeah. um, because to a certain degree, what you have to own is you have not been being the leader you need to be. And instead of just making a pivot and turning, you just, you need to model repentance in the way where you go to your family and say, Hey, I have not been the leader mm -hmm. that I've needed to be. Mm -hmm. I haven't led. It. I, and here's the thing when it comes to this as well. And I, this is part of the answer, but fits here really well. Every wife and family has to be led differently because, Absolutely. because every wife is different mm -hmm. the way, you mm -hmm. know, like we were talking about on the call the other night, one of the guys was leading his wife in some things that he has a vision for. And, um, she's a little fearful, right? A little and pushed back a little bit because she's more of a processor and a thinker and looking at all these angles. And the way that you have to lead that type of wife is different if you have a more go with the flow kind of wife, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. And so what you, what a man can't do is say, well, this is the type of leader that I am. So learn to follow me. Now there is for the wives. Thanks for turning your phone on silent jerk. <laughs> My gosh. Colin, um, let me make sure, you, buddy. Let me make sure mine's on silent yeah. now. Um, but you, you just can't say this is how I'm going to lead. You need to, you need to follow me. That's not a leader. That's a dictator. And that's actually going to be part of the second piece that I believe he needs to do. Hit it. But, um, but I say all that because while the wife has to learn how to learn to be led well, the husband also has a responsibility because scripture says, um, love, love your wife in an under, or sorry, live with your wife in an understanding way. Yes. In order to lead effectively, you have to understand how she thinks, how, how she processes things mentally and emotionally, and you need to adapt your leadership style to your wife and whether you like it or not, that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm, whether mm -hmm. you like it or not, you're not an easy task. No, right? not like at all. Men and women are very different. Yeah. So you've got to kind of slow down and ask some really good clarifying questions, right? Hey, when you say this, what are you really getting at? Cause I, I think you want me to fix the problem. Oh, yeah. oh, oh no. You just, you just need me to listen yep. so you can verbally process it out loud. Yep. Check. I'll shut up. Yep. Right. Exactly. Like, for an example. Yeah. So you have to do that now. And this is where it starts to get into, in my opinion, some very nuancy type things. Be, and this is where honestly, like no podcast is going to be able to give you the entire answer unless we spent an, an hour and a half or two hours on this one topic. But there is the piece of being the um, understanding leader that changes your leadership style, depending on who you're leading and who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. Then there's also the piece where you have to learn how to lead and develop your wife in her ability to follow and submit to you. And that is what, like, I mean, my wife talked about it on the strong marriage call the other day, the way my wife used to communicate. If I would have just led and communicated to her the way that she needed to be communicated to, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, almost 15 years ago, 
we would probably have incredibly dysfunctional communication in a very dysfunctional marriage now. Part of it was I understood where she was at. And so I communicated to her in the way she needed to be communicated to and led. But what I did is a good leader actually takes somebody somewhere. And that's where, depending on your situation, you need to adapt your leadership and communication style. First repent, then do that. But then also start to grow and disciple your wife in the way of growing to be able to be led by you better. You can't just leave them where they're at because that's not sanctification, right? They, mm-hmm. It's not just, okay, I'm just going to adjust what I do and you're just going to keep being the way you are. No, 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 no. We are supposed to sharpen, even in our marriage, we're supposed to sharpen and disciple and sanctify one another. Yep. So there's that aspect of it as well where um, the wife has to be led appropriately to grow in sanctification and leadership to her husband. And yeah. you, and, and the only way you can do that is slowing the heck down. Like you, you, a lot of men get in trouble with this because their foot is just on the gas the whole time. Mm-hmm. And they're like, just follow me for God's sake. And it's like, no, that's not how it works, dude. You're a Ferrari right now. And you're trying to lead a freaking Pinto, you know, like car, like you got to slow down or you're going to be miles apart. Yeah. To the point where they'll be behind and pushing them. Right. Yep. And no one wants to be pushed. No, no one wants to be pushed into something. Right. Or talked into something or coerced or convinced. Right. This is leading, you know, the visual I have for leading. It's like, it's like you, you know, a shepherd leading his flock, right? Like he's gently trying to keep them safe and allow them to mature, to become actual sheep that, you know, are worth more. Right. in, In general. And so, it's, it's this, it's this n- nature that you're providing mm-hmm. a safe environment for them to grow in, to grow and mature in, um, not just, you know, beating them over the, you know, hind end to yeah. prod them along to, to get them to go. Right. Like, no, you're, you're actually leading them with compassion and patience and all the fruits of the spirit ultimately. Right. Yep. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that would be the first thing it's, you got to Like you said, own it, name it, repent adapt your leadership lifestyle or your leadership style. Um, the second thing I would encourage this individual with is, Hey, one last thing before we finish this episode, how would your life change if you had a band of brothers around you at all times that can encourage you, that could challenge you, that would pray for you, and they would call you to being all that God has created you to be. My guess is your life would be different in every single way. You as a man would be better. Your marriage would be better. Your relationship with your kids would be better. And you would finally start to win and thrive as the man of God that you are. So if that sounds like something you would want to do, I want to offer you a free two-week trial inside the Iron Society Brotherhood. Go ahead and head on over to ironsociety.co slash free trial, and you can get in the brotherhood for two weeks to see how it can absolutely change your life. When it, and this is just in general with leadership, but especially in your marriage, you travel at the speed of trust. And Mm. if trust, somebody write that down. If trust has been broken in any way, and I'm not talking about like a traumatic trust breaking, like infidelity or anything like that. I'm just, just more or less like just trust has been dampened, right? Um, 
you have to regain more trust. And the way that you do that in marriage, I like to liken it to like a new quarterback on a football team. The only way you can build trust with your receivers as a quarterback is to run more plays. Right? Sure. It's in the, it's in, it's in practice. It's not just in the game, yep. right? It's, Hey, just run a, just run a quick five yard out route. And I'm just going to, we're just going to run this over and over again. Right. It's in all the little things that you're this. And, and this is probably where most men miss it is they think leadership is the big things. No leadership is the little things oh, yeah. first. Oh yeah. So it's the, are you leading with having a consistent date night with your wife? Are you leading in, in all the small little ways, right? Of helping with the kids when you need to, mm -hmm. with a great attitude, all these little ways. And that builds the trust so that when it comes to these bigger leadership things of, oh man, I want them to follow me willingly because it would seem foolish. Otherwise you have to have the trust there, Yeah, right? You will not follow a person that you do not trust. Yep. And like I said, this does not mean that some trust has been broken in some massive traumatic way. It could just be these micro little distrusts that yeah. the wife has yeah. that you have to see and you have to correct. And ultimately you need to build that trust back up. And like, that's not fair, dude. Like that, that means it's all on me. Yeah. It is all on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it is all on you pretty and sure. you're responsible to do that. Yeah. Pretty sure that's what God had told Adam. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. No, I like that analogy a lot with the quarterback and the receivers because, uh, you know, it's it's running the plays is great, right? Like rehearsing that on the, in the small things. I think yeah. that's a beautiful analogy. You can even, you know, look at how quarterbacks communicate with their receivers, right? They're studying a playbook, mm -hmm. right? Like they're working from the same playbook, Yep. right? If, if the guy goes, you know, the receiver goes left when the play called for him to go right, whose fault is that? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's both of yours, both, both fault, I think, ultimately yeah. to take, you know, ownership of, hey, clearly I didn't explain this, this particular play. We didn't review this well enough. We didn't rehearse this in practice well enough to where when it came, you know, became game time, you know, they went the wrong way when, you know, I must have, you know, I think the husband still has to even own that aspect, even though he's the one with, with yeah. the ball dropping back to, to throw it to the right. If his receiver's not there, you better not throw it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's, yep. that's how, that's how, you know, ball gets turned over. Yep. So I think, um, being really intentional with that communication piece yeah. is where a lot of trust is built. hundred percent. Yeah. It, it's I, man. And you know, we're always, always needing to work on that, hone that, improve upon that, continue to build yeah. that, that communication piece to where it's clear and concise and not, there's less opportunity for it to be construed, to be yep. misunderstood. Um, man, and, and sometimes that means being really vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? And really being open and honest and transparent with, with how you feel like perhaps maybe you're feeling disrespected mm -hmm. and yet you've never actually told your wife, you know, when she makes some comment about this or that, you know, and it, it lands on you sideways and yeah. yet you don't say nothing, but outcomes overflows the heart right later yeah. on through your, your speech by yep. communication, something that, you know, should not have come out that way, but yeah. you were already kind of harboring this little bit of frustration and bitterness. Yep. And so, you know, so this topic comes back up and you say some little snide remark and all of a sudden, you know, it's world three, Yep. you know, <laughs> so yep. you got to be able to, to be able to be brave enough to address, even if it's, even if it's, it's a subtle thing, I think addressing it in a, in a kind and loving way, it's like, Hey, 
this makes me feel disrespected. Yeah. I know that's probably not your intention, but I need you to know that that's an area that maybe I, I need a little more confidence in or, or, or some help in. And so when you speak negatively, even if you're joking about it, maybe that's something that you can help me with by refraining from that and, yeah. and maybe even being intentional about encouraging me in this area instead of mm-hmm. tearing me down. Yeah. Even though, again, I, I don't think that was your heart, but that's how I'm currently re, you know, yep. receiving it and, and, and I'm not processing that well. So, yep. so help me help you. Yep. Help me help us, right? Yep. And um, I've, had, we've, I've had those conversations with Stephanie. Like she would say or do something um, this particular way. Um, and, and I'll be super vulnerable on this one. Here comes a vulnerable moment. Here we go. This, I don't even know how many years ago this happened. Volume up. Um, but there was a, another man that we were friends with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he would do certain things and the way she would respond to it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Hmm. Oh, like, and the way I interpret it, the way, the way that I interpreted it, um, and part of it probably was some insecurity in, in myself at the time because our marriage was great. Mm-hmm. Part of it was, is like, and this is what I ended up telling her was when, when he does this, this is what I, this is how I see you respond. Mm-hmm. And she saw no, like, she was like, what, what's the big, like, what's the big, and she wasn't responding in like, nobody probably would have seen it in a weird way. Sure. Right. Um, but I was like, what the way it makes me feel like you like it when this person does this. Mm. And for me as your husband, I would like, I think your response should be a little more of like a, no, stop mm. doing this. Right. Um, and, and if I had, a, if I would have just harbored that, I would have been bitter at multiple people. Sure. Right. Um, and, but she never knew that. And, and for her, it wasn't like she wasn't doing anything on purpose. Yeah. It, it was no malintent with it at all. It was just this, like, for me, it was mostly on me, but I had to let her know that like, Hey, this is how this, this is how I interpret this right, wrong or indifferent, mm-hmm. but having the conversation about that. And then from then on, it was never an issue yeah. because she was like, Oh, I know how this makes my husband feel, even though what I was doing was not wrong, but the way he makes him feel was like this. And she completely did the 180 on it, um, out of respect for me because she knew how it made me feel, Yeah, you know, but both husband and wife in all of these different things, whether it's little things said or done or this or that, you have to be able to talk about that. Yeah. And that's where a good foundation of communication has to be there because otherwise, you know, it just turns into a, it can turn into a big, um, fighting match about what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not good communication. Yeah. You both, know? both parties are defending themselves yeah. and their, in their statements or actions yeah. instead of like trying to actually see what, with what they can own yep. to help better the situation. Right. Like yeah. if we're both for each other, why, why do we need to defend each other? Exactly. Or defend ourselves. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that like just puts you on that crazy train of, you know, when, when you're, when you're so self-focused and defending mm-hmm. yourself, I think that's what gets couples on that, that crazy train. Cause they're not thinking about the other person. They're not putting oh, absolutely. the other person's knees first, feelings first, you know, not assuming the best of them, right. Yeah. That, that they assuming that they want the best for you. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, it all gets lost and that, that all of a sudden that mistrust starts and, yeah. you know, uh, feelings of bitterness start to creep in and frustration and I'm not being heard. I'm not being respected. I'm not being yep. cared for, you know, so on and so forth. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So, and then the, the third thing that I thought of when it came to like being a leader that they actually want to follow, um, when you haven't been doing that for so long is I would, I would ask the question, where are you leading them? Like where, what are you actually leading them to? What is the inspiring vision that your family is pursuing and that you are leading your family? And because if you don't have that, I would say you're not, you're not a leader. You're a dictator because Mm. dictators say, obey me and leaders say, follow me because this is where we are going. A really, really big difference. And if you don't have a vision put in front of your family, then you're a dictator to them, not a leader. And on top of what are we going to say? I was just gonna say in that, in that vision should be agreed upon, right? Like you should set that vision with your wife, that vision for your family, that mission that you're on, like that should be something you guys come to together. Yes. Right. You, you very much can help lead that conversation and, and, and steer that and what have you, but very much you guys should be on the same page, you know, seeking the Lord for what your family's values are and, and what the plan is. Right. Yep. Because, and even this point, I think ties really well into that football analogy we were just talking to talking about because every football team has a vision for what they're doing. Put points on the board and win the friggin' game. Yeah. Right. Without that vision of what they're actually trying to accomplish, what would happen if a quarterback just called audibles all the time, Mm. the team would get super frustrated. Like, dude, every call play that gets happened, you just switch it up on us. And why are we even practicing? Like, why why are we even practicing this? Like, where, where are we going? What are you trying to do by calling Mm -hmm. all of these audibles? And that breaks trust down because you just never know what in the world mm-hmm. as the, as the wife thinking of to the husband, mm-hmm. I just never know what he's going to do. I don't really know where he's leading us. He's keeps making all these calls, but I have no idea where we're going. Yeah. However, that's in the context of not having vision. If no vision plus a lot of audibles or chaos that equals a lot of distrust and like, I, I, I want to follow you, but I feel really insecure doing this. Yeah. However, Peyton Manning, right? I mean, the dude was known for calling all audibles all the time. He would read the defense and the dude, I don't know. Omaha. Omaha. (laughs) Dude, the the guy called audibles all the time, right? Even Russell Wilson in his prime, right? Being a former Seahawks fan. Glory days. um, Right? uh, When he was actually a good quarterback. um, (laughs) And some people are like, I hate this guy now. How far he's Um, fallen. Right? But like. There were times when, you know, it's like the two minute drill, right? And he's reading the defense, calling these audibles and Pete's just trusting him to make the call, right? Using his legs. Yep. Because everyone knows in that moment what the friggin' goal is. Mm -hmm. We have 90 seconds Mm -hmm. to go 80 yards. Mm -hmm. And so if you see something, you better call it, change it. And we're just going to follow and trust. Right. So, but he's earned that, right? Because he was consistent throughout the rest of the game, the games prior and the practices prior, right? He's earned that trust up until that point. And up until that point, if he, like, think about it, right? First quarter, 13 minutes to go. If Russ just all of a sudden starts a hurry up offense calling a ton of audibles, what's the team going to think? They'd all be scratching the head. They'd be like, what is he doing right now? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But when the context is right, and the vision is there of, oh, we have 90 seconds and this is the goal. Yeah. Right. They, uh, people will follow a leader that keeps making uh, these audible calls. But so many men, because you don't have a vision, everything you're doing feels like an audible. Yeah. When you're living there, 
Yes. 24-7, uh-huh. 365. Yep. That gets old really quick yeah. for someone who's trying to follow. Everything you do sounds like an sounds yeah. like an audible yeah. to your wife because she does not know where you are leading yeah. her. Yeah. It, like and even some guys are like, well, we're just we just want a better marriage and we want a better life. What does that freaking yeah. mean? Just trust in the Lord. Yeah. It's like, no, and this is why we're going through a series in the Iron Society right now called Clear Calculated Savage. Glad you brought that up. Because it, it is getting very, very extremely clear, crystal clear mm-hmm. on where you are going, mm-hmm. bringing your wife along in the journey and having this vision painted in front of both of you and your family to know where in the world you're actually going. And that way, audibles make sense mm-hmm. because you know this is where we're going and we're making adjustments and pivots as we go. So you have to get super clear on that and it has to be agreed upon and it it cannot just be in your head. It needs to be agreed upon and, and because scripture says where there's unity, God commands his blessing. And if you're not unified on vision, good luck having blessing on that vision. Yeah. Right. Get unified, get the vision, get clear. And then as you're doing that, you're building trust, more trust along the way. You're building more rapport along the way. Yeah. And eventually I think everything we just talked about for the past freaking 26 minutes, that all lends to a leader that it would be silly not to trust because, or silly, silly not to follow mm-hmm. because there's the trust there. There's the vision there. People feel like you care about them because you're communicating to them in the way they need to be communicated to you're growing them and sanctifying them. It would be nuts not to follow a leader that way. And to be quite frank, like my mentor, John Kobler, right? Dude. I mean, from the very beginning, I mean, everything I just mentioned that I think about it, he has done, he did, he did all of that early on, gained my trust, communicated to me the way I needed to put a vision before me and all of those things. Yeah. And it, even to this freaking day, and it's a joke with Seth was whenever I have a big decision to make, I, John is the first person I call. Mm. I mean, when we were going to move here, first person I called when we we're going to move to Boise first person, when it was time for firefighting and then exiting firefighting, every single big decision, John is the first person I talk to. Sure. And the running joke in our family is, um, <laughs> Steph's always like, well, um, like, I hope I like what John says because you literally do whatever he says <laughs> because I, he, over the years he is, I have so much trust in him that if he says, this is the direction you need to go, which most of the time he doesn't, he asks a lot of questions and kind of lets me come up with the answer and guides me. And as a really good leader would, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, but if he says something like I have so much trust in that man, I will literally do exactly what he says to do. Like no questions asked. Um, and even when it's really not what I want to do, because mm. even when in a recent season, I, I, I did not want to be at the church we were at, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And he encouraged me in a few different ways. And, and at the end of it all, he was like, I think you need to stay exactly where you're at. Mm. And off that call, walked right back into the house, babe, we're staying exactly where we're at because, and it is, it's not what either of us wanted at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, I just have so much trust in him that I'm like, cool. Like, even when it seems silly, I will be like, I will gladly follow him, yeah. you know? And ultimately I think that's where we need to build that kind of trust and track record with our family Exactly. because, and I mean, I think I've built that with our family. I could say, I could say today, I, we're not doing this by the way, if 
any of our Tennessee friends are listening, but I could say, I could, I could call Steph right now and be like, Hey babe, um, Lord just told me we need to move to Tennessee. And she'd be like, cool. So do you want me to start looking for a house? Do, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to start packing? Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Like, that's how much trust I have with my wife. If I say like, I know the Lord told me this, it's like, there's not even any questions. She'll, we'll process it afterward, but she's like on board. We're good to go. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what every man wants is to be able to lead like that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's only out of the trust that she would respond that way because of the time and time again, that you've made deposits that have allowed yep. for that trust account, so to speak, to build. Yep. Right. And you're only making withdrawals when you have to. Yeah. Right. Otherwise it's, Hey, this is us together. We're clear on what the goal is. We're getting calculated on how we're achieving that goal. And then, you know, when it comes time for the big, Hey, we, we need to pivot here or we need to, you know, take advantage of this opportunity that's presented itself. And, you know, you've, you've sought counsel, right. And, and prayer and so on and so forth. And you're like, Hey, I, you know, this is what I feel like we need to do. She's ready to, you know, the, the, the count is, you know, in the black yep. to where you can make that withdrawal because she's, you know, the, the trust has been built there. Yeah. It allows I'm, her to lean into, okay, everything, everything in the past has worked out. You know, he's not, you know, he's proven himself to be worthy of respect and worthy of trust and worthy, you know, <clears throat> now, does that mean you're always perfect and you've never fallen short? No, but you're in the black. Yes. Right. You can't be in the red and go, Hey babe, we're moving to Hawaii. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Good luck getting nah. her to follow you. That, I mean, she <laughs> nah. might want to do that cause it's Hawaii though. So <laughs> if, give it a, give it a more destination. Like you wouldn't want to be at like, I don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> like South Dakota. Yeah. I mean, South Dakota is kind of cool too, but yeah. And, and we, because we're at 32 minutes, we might just answer this question for this. And this will be the, how to become the leader that your wife yeah. and family wants to we'll follow. Hit, we'll hit the next two on episode. the next one. Um, but the other, the other thing that I would bring up with this, and this is where I see a lot of guys really drop the ball when it comes to leadership. It's in, uh, seemingly insignificant decisions that you do not lead in. Um, and You're I talking about being passive. Uh, no, I'm not being, pa I, I'm not talking about being passive. Okay, it is, it's, it's abdicating your leadership in moments of decision-making that like really are not important. Okay. Like they're really not like, where are we eating tonight? Not important where like those kinds of decisions, like, and the reason, only reason I think about it is because this is something that over the past couple years, um, that my wife brought up with me and I've made a big turnaround in it because I was, you know, it's like, okay, we're doing this, we're doing that. We got a bunch of kids. There's so much going on. I'm working. You're doing homeschool. Like for, for so long, it was all these little decisions. Just make them. You just make them and I'll be, uh, I'll support you. I'll be right there. Right. We're going to get back to the rest of this episode in just a moment. But first I had a question for you. Have you taken the 28-Day On-Purpose Husband Challenge? The 28-Day On-Purpose Husband Challenge is a challenge and devotional that I wrote six years ago for men, and thousands of men have now gone through the 28-Day On-Purpose Husband Challenge and have absolutely transformed their marriage. Every day comes with a devotional written specifically for you as a man to deepen your relationship with God 
and a challenge that you can do every single day to make your marriage even better. To go get your hands on a copy, head on over to ironsociety.co slash store and grab your book today. Now let's go ahead and jump into the rest of this episode. Steph came to me one day and she was like, you know, I really want your leadership even in these decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't want you tossing it on me because you are the leader. Mm. not me. Mm. I'm supposed to follow you. So even in these small decisions, I need you to lead still. And Mm. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Right on. I'll do it. So decisions like the, Hey, where are we eating tonight? Right. Um, or she'll come to me and ask like, Hey babe, um, we have this and this going on. How do you like, what should our day look like leading up to that? Or, you know, what do you, how do you think we should do this? And in the moment, sometimes I can't give an answer. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she asked, I forget exactly what she asked recently. I was making my food upstairs and she's like, Hey, what about this? And I said, um, I can't give you a good answer right now. Um, so give me like an hour, hour and a half to, you know, eat my food and think a little bit and, and I'll have a, I'll have a game plan for us. She's yeah. like, okay, cool. And then about an hour, two hours later, I say, Hey, I, I think we should do this, then this, and then we can take care of that. She's like, awesome. I think that's great. And that those seemingly insignificant decisions, I think men can easily abdicate their leadership in those areas because they just don't seem important. Sure. Right. They're not like life altering decisions. Well, and, and you could even justify it as like, well, I want her to do whatever she, she wants, you know, to have and to, and that, to be happy because, yep. you know, I, I want her to eat where she wants to eat. Yep. And that what, right there, that exact. I just want her to do what she wants. How many men would actually say that? If they're being honest, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. I just want to do what she wants to do. That's not leadership. Leadership is getting somebody to do what they either haven't decided to do or they don't want to do, but to do it willingly and with a happy heart. Yeah. So even in those moments where God's like, I just want to do what she wants to do, right? Like Steph, when it comes to date nights for food, 80% of the time, she's not the one making the call on where we're eating. I'm being aware when we're driving around town or this or that, she mentions something. Sure. I file it in the back of my head sure. for this particular date night mm-hmm. where it's, ah, I know where we're going. Mm-hmm. We're going to go here. Yeah. She's like, where are we? And it's a joke on date nights all the time. So, so babe, where are we going for dinner? Don't, wouldn't you like to know? You know, and then I'll tell her when we're on our way there or I'll just show up. She's like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I'm so excited. You know? <laughs> um, but even as men would even think that like, well, I just want to do what she wants to do. No, dude. She doesn't just want to do what she wants to do. She wants to be led by you. Yeah. Even in these little things and these little things, those are the small deposits and the small little wins of trust. Absolutely. If you're making them correctly and you're leading well. And again, means you got to slow down, means you got to think more and use your brain, means you got to be more intentional and attentive, attentive. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And you have to, you have to watch the, the body language feedback. You have to listen to the words and the tone, watch your expressions. And then you start to file that away as a leader. Okay. She likes this. She doesn't like this. Boom, boom, boom. And that is how you start to lead and grow your leadership in a way that really blesses your wife and makes her want to follow you. Mm-hmm. But so that would be the thing. Like don't abdicate the small, seemingly insignificant things because gosh, like you just can't do that. And if your wife is in a place where she wants control over all of those things, I think you need to honor that for being what it is. But I would also say 
is she quote wearing the pants with all of those things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a defense mechanism because you sucked at it for so long sure because you abdicated it so much for so long she got to this point where she's just like you know what i'm just going to take the bull by the horns on this and i'm going to she manipulates her own personality mm-hmm. as a defense to your hurtful lacking leadership right right and most of the men that I know that have wives like that and they just say, Oh my, yeah, my wife just, she just wears the pants in this area as a joke. Um, and I, and when I look at them, I'm like, dude, it's because you're a terrible leader. Mm-hmm. She had to do that mm-hmm. because you wouldn't. Yep. And so I, I know very few women that, and wives in particular that are followers of Jesus, that their natural bent is to be that hands on yeah. and like that, like, Oh, I'm taking this by the the bull by the horns. Only I can only do this. I can do this. Yeah, ninety nine percent of the time, it's because the early on in the marriage, it was a track record of abdicating responsibility and leadership. Yeah. and so your wife was just like, "Okay, cool. I'm gonna have to adapt and put the pants on here." Yeah, I feel like you probably see that a lot when it comes to finances. Oh, a thousand percent. Couples, right. Yep. You know, traditionally, women mature a little earlier, right? So when you get a young married couple. The, the husband sucks at, he's never even kept a checkbook properly, right? You just, oh, there's just always money on the card, you know? Da, da, da. And so she's like, oh God, yeah. <laughs> I don't want us to go freaking bankrupt. So, you know, or overdraft or whatever. And so she just, you know, takes control of the checkbook yep. and, and makes sure the bills are paid and everything's covered mm-hmm. and da, da, da. When ultimately that probably shouldn't be the case. Yep. I remember the day Jonathan Gibbs, I don't know if you know Jonathan Gibbs. Um, I don't think so. Very, very successful businessman, a friend of ours. He started a really big solar company with another one of our friends. Okay. That is now the the second largest solar conglomerate in the United States. Um, The guy guy is a brilliant businessman. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And we were talking about finances one time when we were in ministry. And... Uh, he's like, so like, what do your finances look like? Like in your home right now? And I was like, ah, you know, my wife does all that. Mm. And he looks back at me and goes, excuse me. I was like, my wife takes care of that. She's better with all the numbers and keeping all that organized and everything. And he looks back at me and goes, dude, I just need to tell you, you as the leader of your home must lead in every arena that there is leadership to be had. And I was like, well, she's better at it. And he was like, I understand that. I get she might be better at it. You need to get better at and it. And he's like, he's like, he's literally said, you, it doesn't mean that you have to do all of it. It means you need to lead in it. Mm. He's like, good leaders don't do everything. True, true. Good leaders have their pulse on things and understand everything and have and have their the big picture, but then they can delegate to other people. Right but you cannot delegate that which you do not understand. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so he's like, you don't have to do everything, but to say my, Oh, my wife just takes care of all yeah. Of that. Yeah. For your response to be, I don't know what my finances look Ex- like. Exactly. It's a really horrible answer. Yep. Yeah. And that's essentially what I told him. Yeah. And he was like, so here's what you need to do. You need to sit down and repent to your wife for not leading well in this area. Mm-hmm. You need to take accountability and responsibility of all of your finances, get everything dialed in and get the understanding and the lay of the land. And then you can delegate that to your wife so she can keep doing it the way she has been. But you have to do that from a position of leadership, not of abdicating it because it's just not your thing. Right. Um, 
the the amount of areas in a marriage that this pertains to is far and wide, mm-hmm. like so many things. Um, and so for this particular question with just becoming this leader that somebody wants to follow when you haven't, um, it is not a small task, no, not a small task, but you have to start, start with the repentance, start with the small things, start with the vision and then continue to start moving into all those little areas. But man, if in, in, in the question, this person literally said, um, how do you get there when you've done the opposite for so long? Right. Again, this idea of track record coming up. Right. Um, at some point you have to draw a line in the old track record and together say, Hey, I know I blew it, but I'm going to start trying to write and create another track record here. Yeah. And I need you to be on board. I need you to, I, I just need you to, I need you to lend me some trust up front because it sounds like it hasn't been there. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to do this and then bro, prove you, it to her. You, yes, prove it to yes. her. Um, you have, you have to follow through Yeah. because if you don't, um, what you're doing is you're shooting your future credibility in the foot today. Yeah. And if you do that, good luck trying to turn the corner. And this is where, this is exactly where some of the guys that we come across 15, 20, 25 years in the marriage when their wife is, you know, saying they want a divorce for real this time. Yeah. It's because the past 10, 15 times that you said you were going to change, they watched you say you were going to change, make a temporary change and then revert back yep. to the old way. Yep. And eventually I won't like, dude, any, not even just a wife, anybody's going to get frustrated with that. Yep. Like if I have a friend and they tell me they're going to not do something for so long because yep. it's affecting me. Mm-hmm. And then I give them some trust and they fix it a little bit and then they do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. Like I'll forgive you, but dude, we ain't gonna be friends no more. Like we're just, we are not going to roll together anymore because that's just, that's just not how it is. And so when I hear of wives wanting this, I'm like, can you blame them? Can you really blame them? Like I, I get that divorce is like, is not a good thing when we look at it through the scriptural lens of what God really wants. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I get, you really want to change now, you know, but like, gosh, can, can you blame your wife for not wanting to be around that? Yeah. I don't think you can. Yeah. Um, like it, it takes an emotional toll. Absolutely. So you have to freaking follow through, like draw the line in the sand, mm-hmm. plant your flag mm-hmm. and be like, I'm, this is the old, the old way of doing this is it's over. Yeah. It's over. No, we talk about going to war, right? Going to yeah. war with yourself, with your flesh. Like we, we, we joke about killing the old man, yep. right? So you can create the new one because that's what it takes. You've got to go to battle and fight for your marriage. Yeah. And better that you do that the first time or, or you know, God forbid the second or third time. But man, yeah, if you wait a dozen times in or whatever, man, I'll be praying for you, but good luck. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's going to be a battle. That's going to be a long and hard. The more yep. time you spend ruining your marriage, it's going to take that much longer to fix it. Right. Yeah. Apart from God, just moving miraculously and giving her the ability to forgive that's supernatural. Yeah. Right. Which can be done. Yeah. But do you, do, do you really ex- like, should you expect and think you deserve that? Yeah. No. No, you, you got to earn that trust back. You've got to show that you actually are willing to truly repent, truly change. 
truly begin to model your life after Christ, right? As, mm-hmm. as he demonstrated for us to come and be a servant, not to be served. Yeah. That's, that's the point. That's what your marriage should look like, right? Yeah. If, if we're the, the bride, you know, and he's the bridegroom and, and how he treats us is how we're supposed to treat our brides. Like get a flipping clue and start yeah. serving her. Yep. Right. And part of that is dying to yourself yep. and your selfish needs. Yep. It's the brutal, honest truth. Yep. I'm sorry if, if that's where you find yourself today. Whoever's yeah. listening to this, I love you. I'll be praying for you, honestly, genuinely. However, you got to take a hard look within, get right with your creator, and hopefully, you know, with her. Yep. And you do that by by continuing to die to self. Yep. And before we end, because we're 46 minutes in on one Boom. question. Um, here's the last thing I'll say is, um, this particular area of your life, when it comes to being the respected want wanted to follow leader in your home with your, with your wife and your kids, um, I would make this the highest priority Next to your personal relationship with Jesus, because I do not care what else you have going on in your life, what other potential you have for great things. Um, If you fail in this area, in my estimation, I've said this for years, you could have success in every other arena of life. And if you blew it here, you're a failure. Yeah, it's all in my eyes. And and I say that with all the conviction and love in the world. And I've told this get to guys in their face before. I love and I, I I admire you for your ability to win in all these other areas. I, what it's, have you it's sacrificed? It's so cool. It's so cool what you've done. But you lost in this one area. So to me, I will call you a failure as it sits right now. Yeah. This is it is your legacy. Yeah, God forbid there's kids in the picture. Yes. You know, because now you've affected not just you and her, but them too. Yeah. In the worst possible way. Yep. So you should attack this one area with such vicious ferocity mm-hmm. that everyone in your life, it's like evident to almost everyone that comes around you that this is like the a one bullseye target that yep. you are trying to fix. Yep. And that means stopping or getting rid of Anything else that would get in the freaking way of you fixing this. And that's not you fixing her or your relationship with her. That's you fixing you first and foremost. 1000%. Do whatever you need to do to get this locked and dialed in. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, if I spend that much time or energy effort fixing this, other things are going to suffer. Let them freaking suffer. Because if you, if you don't allow those things to suffer now, you're, this will continue to suffer and fester and possibly ultimately end in destruction because you are not willing for a season of time to let the other things suffer a little bit to be able to invest in and turn the corner with this one area. Yeah. And if you don't do that, I'm sorry, dude, but you're, you, you will fail at everything. Yeah. You just will. So, yep, absolutely. Um, and, and, and lastly, um, listen, if you want to become the type of leader that we're talking about, the place where you become that leader is in the iron society. Yep. That is where you become that kind of leader. Um, and, 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 and I'm, I'm going to say this with, with all the compassion and conviction, 
you could read all the leadership books in the world and it will not make you a good leader. Um, it makes you a, it makes you a person that has a lot of knowledge about leadership, but you have to be able to put the boots on the ground and have the mental shift, the identity shift and the people around you that are going to hold your feet to the fire Mm -hmm, and make sure mm -hmm. you become this person. And the place where that happens is inside the iron society. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would encourage you if, if you are in a place as a husband where your wife is not excited to follow you and your kids are not excited to follow you and you not, you are not the respected leader of your home, you need to join the iron society, come in for a trial. Um, you get a two week trial and then become a member and you will see how this will transform your life. Um, this is where it happens. Um, and even the question that was asked with this guy, right? Like, we will follow up with him and we, there will be more conversation about this. There will be accountability about this. Yep. It's in the light now, all of these things. And this is where it happens. So get your butt in the iron society and you'll become the respected leader of your home. Yep. 1000% without I mean, question. At this point with a two week free trial to at least begin to peel back the curtain and, and take a look behind and yeah. see what it's all about and see what the potential is. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Why would you know? I mean, if there's, you know you need more than just you. We yeah. are called and created for community. Yeah. Like, come be a part of a community that's pointing first and foremost towards Jesus. Yep. And then towards one another to continue trying to become, striving to be better and become more like Jesus. Yep. Like, why why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I have my theories on that. We, that would be a whole other <laughs> podcast. Because then we're going to start, we start getting into a lot of psycho, psychology. Maybe we'll talk about that one day. Who knows? Cool. But anyways, um, love you guys. We'll get to the other two questions. Maybe we'll just record single episodes on those other two questions because they're like good it. questions. Yeah. Um, so, but anyways, you guys becoming the respected leader of your home and getting to that level, uh, that is 1000% doable and attainable. You just need to put yourself in the right context and environment for that to happen. Yep. And, and the Iron Society is where that needs to happen for you. So... Until next week, you guys, love you. We believe in you. We want the best for you. And um, your next level is right around the corner if you do what's necessary. Amen. So, uh, we'll talk soon, guys. Later. Out. Hey, one thing before you go. If you got any value out of today's episode, we would so appreciate a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening to this podcast, as well as... Hey, take a picture with your phone of you listening. Take a screenshot and post it to social media. Go ahead and tag me, at Cody Chapman, and you can tag Nick as well, at the Nick Milligan. Also, if you want to learn more about the Iron Society, you can head on over to ironsociety.co to learn more. We'll see you next week.